0: Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. The title of the message is To Love Like Jonah. First Corinthians tells us that the Bible was written for examples. And for our admonition, Romans tells us that the things were written also for our learning. My few thoughts here this morning about Jonah will be painting a little bit bit different picture than is oft times painted. Sometimes we're pretty hard on Jonah. And when we have a tendency to do that, sometimes I wonder if we shouldn't just look in the mirror. We'd change our story a little bit. But I'd like to, to share with you a background that probably either you have forgotten or don't know. But if you would turn with me to Second Kings gives us a little glimpse of Jonah, where he comes from, the setting he found himself, the period of time that he was born in. If you know your biblical geography, you'll find that he is a native of Galilee. So when the Pharisees said that there's no prophet risen from Galilee, they were wrong. Interesting. 2 Kings 15. <clears throat> I'll back up in verse 24. 2 Kings fifteen twenty-four. Talking about the current king, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he departed not from the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. But he restored the coasts of Israel from the entering to Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord of God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet which was of Gath-hepher, which is then the Galilee area. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter, for there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. <clears throat> now if you will visualize with me The kind of situation that this man of God, the prophet, found himself in, in a closed-in society that had been, well, harassed, life made difficult, so much so that the description says it was very bitter. Now, for some of us, circumstances in life doesn't affect us so greatly. But some of us are very vulnerable to circumstances, and we react. So if you visualize with me that you're part of this community that has been harassed by the enemy and in bondage under various levels And you're a prophet of God. And now you have to remember that Jonah is human like you and me. I'm sure he had attitudes that he had to deal with. And especially in that era of law and order, do and be done to, Enemies of that day were enemies. You felt it and acted it. And now you visualize that. <clears throat> and then God tells you one night that you're supposed to go over here to your enemy and preach to him. What would you do, John? Preach to my enemies? you got to be kidding. Did I, did I hear you right, Lord? Ha uh Not me. I'm out of here. Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> Makes entirely sense. Nope. So put yourself. Did he do anything that you wouldn't do? Huh. <laughs> Let's make it a little more personal. Did he do anything that you haven't already done? Well, of course we have. We say, tell God, no, not me. Now, we don't put that always in shoe leather. But we would like to sometimes, wouldn't we? Instead of heading... northeast 400 miles to the great city of Nineveh he headed south 150 miles with the intention of going 2000 miles I mean he was taking this serious he is not going to preach to his enemies he is not and away he went. I think it would help us to understand how Jonah was thinking and processing his life. And especially if we put ourselves in his shoes. And I know we can't, and we can't understand what all he was facing. It's probably impossible. <clears throat> probably about as possible to try to tell your little three year old how a gasoline engine works. You can spend hours telling that you know you have intake, and you have compression and you have combustion and you have exhaust, that makes energy. They say, huh? goes right over the head. That's where Jonah was. he says, huh? It doesn't make sense, Lord, you tell us to deal with our enemies. And now you're saying go preach to them? Mm. It says back in Jonah now. In verse 3, chapter 1 that he is intent to go to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. And we kind of shake our head at Jonah and they say, "Uh uh-uh, you can't do that. But how do we respond? And another item as a background to this was that we, again, tend to be critical and harsh at some of Jonah's responses, but what would happen if some of your experiences would be written in black and white for the next generation to read? How would that look? So imagine Jonah going through the ordeal he did. And God gives us experiences in life to help us. We know that. We don't like it. And we don't understand a lot of things that we face. And I don't think Jonah did either. But I think he had an idea of what God was asking him to do. He was asking him to go 400 miles to preach to a wicked people. And not only that, he was to share... Uh, probably a message they never heard. Now, how do you formulate a message to someone that never heard something? It's it's kind of like probably John gets that opportunity one time. They say, well, "Well, probably want to know how a computer works." And John says, um, um, "Let's see, um, where do I start?" That's kind of the way it works, isn't it? However, there is a difference because God told Jonah, He said, You go tell them what I tell you to tell them. So he had an advantage. <clears throat> the next problem that he faced. <clears throat> Me back up <clears throat> we have a little bit of his response in his prayer he had an involuntary vacation and i think he had a bit of a change of heart <clears throat> and we don't know how much time lapsed from the time that he left went to the sea and undoubtedly traveled back home God come to him the second time it says chapter 3 and gave him the same commandment arise go to Nineveh now if you think with me after you face the difficulties that he faced I think that he was in a better frame of mind not that he understood what he was to do but the magnitude of what he was to do was still would have been overwhelming. If I understand right, Nineveh was 18 miles long, 11 miles wide, and had one and a half million people—all strangers. Quite a daunting task. But the thing I'm astounded by. <clears throat> is that people lose the magnitude of what he did. There is no record anywhere on earth of a conversion of the magnitude that Jonah accomplished in a few days. He brought to knees a million people. Now what would it take today to convert a million people in, say, two weeks, five days, you name it. Tremendous. He gave, we don't know what, except a message of destruction, but we don't know what all he gave as a message that brought those people to repentance. Repentance. the next challenge for Jonah as I see it he was faithful in doing what God asked him to but he had something in mind that caused him difficulties and we do the same again we need the mirror sometimes we feel impressed by God on a mission whatever it may be and we have In our mind, certain results are expectations. And when it doesn't happen, what do we do? And I'm not sure exactly what Jonah's expectation was, except he believed God. God told him that Nineveh was going to be destroyed In a certain period of time. And then God told him basically that it wasn't going to happen. God basically said, I changed my mind. How would you feel? And you're going to still be hard on Jonah. God can change his mind and still be right. That's something we can't understand. When God decrees something to happen and then he decides his judgment on the response of man another example of that as you would recall was with Moses the children of Israel rebelled to such an extent that basically God told Moses to step back step out of my way I'm going to annihilate these people start all over Moses said, no, no, you can't do that. Sometimes I say in my mind, what does Moses know? And then I ask myself, what do I know? And looking at this little lesson before us, what did Jonah know? How we look at events around our lives We don't know, and we don't have the ability to know nor understand like a little three-year-old or worse. <clears throat> and it any wonder Jesus tells us in the New Testament, judge not. We don't have the basis to make judgmental decisions. We don't have the basis to make decisions that are condemning. And so you feel with me, Jonah, finally he got himself in a position where he was obedient to God to go into the city and declare the judgment that was coming, only to find out God changed his mind. So I asked myself this question. When you're disappointed, how strong is your love? Chapter 4, verse 2. And he said unto the Lord... Was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Didn't I say that you was too merciful a God? Wasn't I scared that you would change your mind? Change again a little bit in my wording. That you are slow to anger, great kindness, and repent thee of them to do evil. I think Jonah learned a lot there was a lot he didn't understand there is a lot he couldn't figure out but I would like to think that Jonah still had faith and trust in God even though what he visualized and what he understood was not happening. How do we see God? Do we see God as the all-powerful, almighty, and always just God? Or do we see God as something else? I was talking to someone recently about... How God works and how God relates. And I suggested that it would be easy for us to relate to our future if we knew what was going to happen. The response was that if we knew what was going to happen in the next month, we probably wouldn't want to go on living might be a bit of truth to that God in his mercy withholds the truth at times does he not or often we're not even prepared to relate to the circumstances that we face and outside of that it may be just sure unbelief that such and such could happen but I thought of a parallel of a predecessor. Again, if you know your Bible history, you know that Elisha comes from basically the same area. And Jonah lived after that. And the next thing relating to this is how that we can have, we would call it a mountaintop experience or a success in a certain area and how Elisha was the same way that after he had a victorious experience relating to evil he was discouraged. And it's just I don't understand and I don't have to understand but to, to visualize Jonah, recognizing that his message to the people caused a unanimous, as it were, repentance, should he not have went out happy? Seemingly, he did not. Which is again a warning to us. Remembering that we are human, we are subject to highs and lows. But the thing that was a challenge to me is that not to be carried away with impressions that we find around us. It's so easy. To get involved in people's ideas, assumptions, and conclusions when we do not really know the total picture. God saw Nineveh as an opportunity of salvation and an opportunity to save some people from destruction. Jonah saw Nineveh as an opportunity of condemnation. And I was challenged by that. When we see a situation, we hear of a situation, do we see that as something to salvage? Or something to condemn. Jonah survived the shipping experience, I would like to say, as a better man. And it doesn't tell us, but I would also come to the conclusion that Jonah survived the Nineveh experience. As a better and wiser man. If you remember, I started out with the fact that the scriptures are written for that very reason, for us to learn from that. And that is my concern for us today as we face. The unpleasant experiences of life, will it have the proper result? How critical are we of people? How critical are we of what we hear and see? Do we see it as an opportunity of situations? Do we see an opportunity of salvation or do we see it as an opportunity of condemnation? In closing, I would remind you of the verse that we all know so well, and yet I see it as applying it in a very specific way Micah 6 8. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We see so very little of the entire picture to even make judgmental comments. God bless you.